Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the season uh, for the Sapcast with myself, Glyn Price and Ollie Warner after a very busy week, um, not just football stuff I suppose, it's been quite a crazy week in England and, and the UK hasn't it with everything going on Ollie? So um, yeah, lots of football, uh, one mad goal, get goals ridden game on Tuesday night and then one not so uh, goal ridden game on Saturday. Lots and lots of stuff going on, Ollie. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's been a, another kind of busy week, at least I suppose for Shrewsbury after the game got cancelled. That's the first thing we should say. We weren't here last week, were we? No, we had a, a weekend off, so yeah, hope yeah. everyone enjoyed their mini break. Um, and <laughs> yeah, obviously not in the best circumstances, particularly if you're a real big fan of the monarchy and the Queen. Um, and yeah, it was sad um, because yeah, she's been a constant in our lives, hasn't she? Like I'm a, mm. I wouldn't say I'm a big monarchist, but at all. Um, but she's been a big constant, and um, I think a lot of people have. Yeah, I've been quite upset about about her her, her passing. Yeah, it has been a busy week, Glenn. There's been a lot going on. Um, I think um, I think it's always funny, isn't it, when these things happen and people have got to make decisions. I must say it right off the bat. You know, me and you had a we got a salad we got a salad group going on. Yeah. Maybe with a couple of mates, and we chat football like butchy every day. And <laughs> there was a lot of discussion in there about whether the the game should have been cancelled. I kind of like changed my position slightly. Um, I was kind of very always pretty much on like it shouldn't be cancelled and I was like well, if it does it doesn't matter too much but then when it did actually happen I thought they made the wrong call especially given the funerals this weekend yeah. um, and I think them cancelling last weekend put them in a position where they couldn't really cancel this weekend when it's closer to the funeral which is a would which have been a much bigger mark of respect I think um, the EFL the FA and the Premier League just almost were scared to kind yeah. of go and keep the games going. I think they were scared, probably because of the right-wing press, probably because they thought maybe fans would embarrass um, the, the clubs, um, which I think is poor, considering you know, 99% of, ni- more than 99% of football fans are good people. Mm. So yeah, I think it was a bad mistake. Um, they did it. If they were going to cancel any game, they should have cancelled this weekend's game, which would have been a bigger mark of respect. What was your thought? I can't disagree on that. I'm not fussed either way that games got cancelled. It is. I think I look at it from, and uh, we've talked about it somewhere. Like I, you know, not a huge monarchist myself either, but also doesn't offend me particularly. So um, I look at it more as the historic nature of what's been going on these last few weeks with the Queen dying, and it's been, you know, quite all-encompassing across media and everything like that. So you know, it was a bit weird when. You know, football and Premier League and the EFL and, and Scottish football, I think, got cancelled, didn't it? But um, got hung out to dry, didn't they? Um, and, you know, all other sports and all other events continued. One of my friends runs yeah. the, the Shrewsbury Proms in the park. They did for the first time and they didn't cancel that. They just changed things around to, to recognise it, which is what we've ended up doing this weekend, you know, and, and on the Tuesday game as well. You know, you've had your marks of, of respect there. But it just I agree with you. It seemed like it was the other way around that logically would have been done. But maybe there was lots of reasons why. And I think policing is a very very major issue isn't it with everything but it that's going to happen but it yeah. wasn't an issue last weekend no because exactly. it was yeah. they cancelled on the, they cancelled on the friday the police and everything would have been set up um on the obviously you know months in advance but you know it's a big a big event big thing to get peace and available and it was strange and, and i don't mean this is not a criticism of of this club or this no. sport at all but it's really odd so um through my personal account i follow james who does the cow um podcast and he does the cricket podcast, you know, the Shropshire Cricket yeah, yeah. Podcast. And I saw a photograph of the cricket, um, Ludlow Cricket Club celebrating winning the league, which is a fantastic achievement. And they should obviously they enjoyed that. And then with, you know, beers and champagne and all that kind of stuff. And then I was at home watching, seeing that, not being able to go to the football. <laughs> it was a bit <laughs> odd. It's a bit odd. 
It was very strange, wasn't it, to be fair? But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, we'll probably talk about it during the game, but obviously we've had marks of rec- recognition for the Queen's service, haven't we, in yeah. both the games? And, um, you know, we're not a football club, and, and nor were Port Vale or Exeter that we're going to let themselves down, I don't think. You know, f- no. as much as we don't like Port Vale's fans, I think that um, there's obviously a quite quite a string that runs through them in terms of respect yeah. of, a, of, a, of authority figures, I suppose, like the Queen. But, yeah, so in terms of us as a football club, you know, it was, it's been well, respe- well respected, hasn't it, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think mm. I always like to see look at things at the positives. Like I quite like, um, you know, if someone famous or someone connected to the club dies, I, I like the, the kind of the clapping of them not, not having a minute silence. I think well, yeah, we had that on Minute silence yeah. of Queen makes sense, but I think the clapping works really well because it's like a celebration. And I think, you know, God Save the King, a minute silence, kind of doing something would have been um, would have been positive. Mm. And then my final point, you know, if you're, I don't know, if football is... You know, if you don't, I don't know, if you're a bit elderly, potentially, or you don't have, you know, lots of family and, you know, you are a bit sad about it, it's not going to football and meeting friends and stuff kind of um, a good way of kind of helping you kind of come over this this time. It's an interesting question, Ollie. There is an elephant in the room we're going to talk about as well before we move on to the game, but just just switching to Exeter, there was only 4,800 there on that game on Tuesday night, um, obviously yeah. not too long after. And I did wonder how, how many people had decided they didn't feel like it was appropriate to go to the football still then, because that was mm. one of our lowest attendances on a Tuesday night for a really, really long time. So Kids back at school might have been a bit of something as well, maybe a bit of a lot of stuff going on. But yeah, it was a, it was a poor... It'd be interesting to see how the, the Tuesday nights, um, obviously not next Tuesday coming, but the other Tuesday night... <laughs> Um, crack what their attendance is like I'm sure it's something you'll keep an eye on I will. I will report back in the stats section, but that's fine. And I did mention, you know, we, we take away what's been going on with the Queen, but there is another slightly larger elephant in the room, if, if anything, Ollie, in terms of this podcast and Shrewsbury Town fans. But a, a certain Ivan Tony has been called up to play for England. Um, <laughs> so we've obviously always had the long-running joke, haven't we, Ollie, about you and, and James Collins saying he wasn't a League One striker, and you know that, yeah. that ongoing debate we've had. I mean, you he know, was a Championship I'm... striker, Glenn. He was not a League <laughs> yeah, One. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> it was. Uh, but I don't think any Shrewsbury Town fan, and if if a Shrewsbury Town fan going to turn around and tell me they thought Ivan Tony would go on to play for England I would have checked them for some sort of you know some sort of issues yeah, no <laughs> back one. in the day if, no, there's absolutely no chance that anyone ever thought that the no. lad was going to play anywhere higher than League One um, because yeah as you as we all said and I yeah he he Paul Hurst said he had a poor attitude he wasn't working very hard uh, then he went to Scunthorpe I don't think he did that well there and then he after didn't. that he went to Peterborough and kicked on and it's a really interesting story, isn't it? Because it, you know, there's a player here who he failed on loan at Shrewsbury. That's Massively. not something to be. No, there's not many players that fail at Shrewsbury and then go on to do something. You know, if you have a normally, if you have a loan, well, I guess there's James and what's his name, Daniel Dad James, James yeah. didn't do well. Yeah, but he didn't even play. So yeah, I think it's it's always a good reminder for me, isn't it? Never to write a player off never to write anyone off you never know what's going to happen I'm still going to do it because that's the fun of football but you know we as football fans we have to yeah, kind of, uh, take, the, <laughs> take the knocks but he is you have to admit he, he's not the same player or person is he, he no. when you see him, I've got him my fantasy team you know because he gets goals and he gets points for you every week he's an assistant performer and he's playing in a team that um, play to his strengths and um, yeah of course he, he was you know it doesn't ch- and this is the funny thing it's about Sam Cosgrove he scored two goals for Plymouth and I saw people saying it was almost if that change the narrative no he was poor at Shrewsbury and he was poor yep. at Wimbledon that's in the past now it doesn't mean he can't be a success again uh, no no yeah we've had it's a few, interesting players we? journeys yeah Andre Gray is the other one that's more like an Ivan yeah. Tony isn't he who where where you know managers Bradshaw alluded as well to, alluded to um well Bradshaw played a lot of games just didn't he to be fair and, and he was quite yeah well but he, but he went fans. to Warsaw didn't he? he left Shrewsbury yep. went to Warsaw not like a, a huge move obviously time. then he went to Millwall but yeah yeah 
yeah, he's kicked on and we've done well in that respect, I suppose. Um, but no, yeah, so there's been a few that come through the door. But yeah, we have to, you know, I think it needs to be acknowledged that he's done well. And I, I it's, it's, it does stick in me. It's funny when you think back to even all the times he played against us after leaving for Scunthorpe and for Peterbridge. Remember, he was just always awful and give penalties well, he gave away. away a penalty, didn't he? Yeah. Got sent off in one game, didn't he? I think, if Agent, I right, Agent Tony, you were calling him. <laughs> yeah. So he has got a long-standing thing. So yeah, it'd be a bit weird to him run out in England kit, but... When, it's, when someone's playing for England, can you imagine him going to the World Cup or something? It'd be bonkers. Anyway, but you know, got to get behind him if he's playing for England, and uh, especially yeah, if it's 100%. against Wales. <laughs> and just while you're talking about Paul Hurst, you see Paul Hurst was not trending on Twitter, but he there's a video of him on Twitter on the weekend. Yes, I did see that shushing the Colchester United yeah. fans. Yeah, so no, or, or a fan. Apparently, one fan kept oh, on, um, yeah, giving him loads of abuse. Um, <laughs> And um, yeah, he turned around and gave him the finger, which um, not the finger in terms of <laughs> telling him to go somewhere. I think in terms of telling him to be quiet. Yeah, which is yeah, it's funny. Yeah, back down history lane with first, but yeah, yeah, good intro, Glenn. Got two games to get on with. Oh, you've got something else. I should just say, I, I just said we should support him when he plays for England against Wales. But I, I always forget when we're doing these podcasts that we do have quite a lot of Welsh fans listening to us. It's not the first time I, I've been picked up by certain fans who listen to the podcast uh, at the match about, you know, we've got to remember you've got Welsh. So, uh, you know, all the best to you when we play England. I'm English, obviously. I want us to beat Wales in the World Cup and hope Ivan Tony scores the winner maybe. But um, yeah, I'm, I do appreciate we've got lots of listeners from all around the world. So you know, all the best to all your teams, I suppose, and, and Leicester play yeah. England. But um, <laughs> there we go. It's weird there's going to be a World Cup soon. It's going to be a bit odd. It is odd, but, um... yeah. We'll get to that. Football, football, football. Mm. Anyway, you're right. Let's get on to the games this week. Lots to cover, um, but we're definitely going to be talking about this next game a little bit longer. Headed away by O'Connor. Salisbury helping it back in. And it'll be routine for Scott Howie. Goalkeepers way out of his goal. It's a good early clearance from Howie. It's Bannum. The goal is empty. And it's going to find its way in. Oh, what a finish. Shrewsbury Town 3, Exeter City 2. Fantastic Ooh. home win for Shrewsbury Town. First home win, Glenn, since March. Mad It's been man. a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Obviously, there's a summer break, but still, there's a lot of crazy games in. It's not like it's not like NFL or something where you play 17 times a season. A lot of games in, in League One football. So, um, yeah, it was team selection. Um, we did start 5-3-2. Then we apparently changed loads of formation loads of times. And, um, yeah, I... I I struggled to kind of keep a track of this game, to be honest. I'll, be, I'll say that now. <laughs> Did watch it. Obviously, in, enjoyed the win. Um, but I, yeah, there's a lot going on in my life at the moment. Sometimes it's hard to keep everything. <laughs> yeah, keeping your head clear. So yeah. it was hard to cut the tactics. But in terms of who we did start, um, yeah, we started with, we had Pennington, Dunkley, Farringham at the back three with Murray in goal. And we had Nurse uh, playing, I think, let's go for a back four to start with. Um, and then Nurse is playing left back, Pennington is playing right back, Leahy and Moore in midfield, Pike playing right wing, Shippy playing left wing, Bayless in the 10, and Street got his um, home debut um, starting up front. Um, so, yeah, not too many surprises there. I wasn't surprised either Sadie or Street started. It does say a lot about Bowman that he isn't starting games. Um, mm. So, that was a bit of a surprise there, Glenn. We can just get your thoughts on Bowman not starting. And you've got a few stats for us. Yeah, I, w- I would say I don't think we started with a flat back four. I think we did start with the wing backs up until they scored their first goal. I think we changed after that. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. That's that formation you read out was how we played a majority of the of the you know game from sort of seventeen minutes onwards. So uh, Pike was very deep in that early stage. We defended yeah, so but, deep, Glenn, and yeah. everyone was so we, we defend so deep. Sometimes it's hard to track our formation when we're just mm. defended. 
Mm. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, but Bowman is an interesting one, isn't he? Yeah, he's definitely fallen down the pecking order with these two new loan lads coming in, which is an interesting place for him to be in, considering his age and where he's at in his career. And, you know, um, it's funny, just throwing forward to the next game, but um, we sat down on the right-hand side of the, the stand at Port Vale while he was warming up and, and the kids, we took me and my mates took a bunch of our kids up and they were sort of shouting at him. Um, and he, was, he had plenty of time to talk to the kids. He was sort of shouting across while he was warming up. And at one point, one of the kids asked him for his boots and he said, I better keep them on, I'm coming on in a minute. And then he, he ran down the side and came on against Vale so it's an interesting one though because you know he, he's the one with the experience isn't he he's the one with the league league pedigree and um, he's you know presumably now behind Street and Sadie which is you know, must be pretty difficult for him to deal with and maybe is a bit of a I'm, I'm going to say this Ollie is it, is it a bit of a sign about maybe that he might not be around for too much longer next season maybe, maybe Cottrell's already looking ahead for replacing him I don't know what do you think of that yeah I've never been a, a huge Bowman fan uh, I don't mean criticise him he, he works hard he cries he's got a good attitude um, but in terms of goals um, and his all-round play is he a target man what is he he's not he's not super fast um yeah I don't think he excels at particularly anything including finishing so good player in the sense that he tries hard he's got a good attitude you know you don't hear anything bad about him um but yeah he's yeah he's definitely behind those two at the moment it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely un, sort of reminded you he doesn't have much pace when you look at the way Sadie and, and Rob Street run around. You know, just that exuberance of youth has actually brought us quite a lot in this this week. I think in terms of seeing both of them yeah. get their first start. So I don't really blame her. Uh, I don't really blame Cottrell for for giving them a go ahead of Bowman, who we know what we're going to get out of him. So I don't, I don't really disagree with what's going on. It's, it's obviously a chance for him to try and fight back, and that's what you want in it. Competition for places, maybe maybe he will. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some writing on the wall already for him early doors in the season. But we'll see how that develops um in terms of stats we'll just move, move through this quickly but this is interesting we, we looked at the first five games ollie and we were very much talking about how we were just not having shots on target and that was one of the reasons we weren't winning games at the start of the season but if you include the sexta game and, and the last two games for that so that the sort of three games um after the first five um we've gone from nine shots on target in the first five to having 17 shots on target in the last three obviously that then reverted back to norm um at port vale so this little run of three games against forest green exeter and i got i forget the, the game just before that but we'd had picked up basically and obviously we won two of those I think we got a draw in the other one didn't we um, Bristol Rovers so that little run of three games was a definite improvement in terms of the the attacking output which is maybe when we'll get to this is why that the Vale game feels like an absolute kick in the teeth because we reverted back to being pretty anemic so um, I threw that stat in there because it's quite telling about how we've gone sort of rubbish good for a couple of games and then seem to have gone back to rubbish yeah it was there was not a lot of um, shots on target particularly in the Vale game no. um, certainly something one. to keep an eye on there we go so yeah it was just more about that narrative really but um yeah as you mentioned uh, on the night um I, I walked up there um i think it was uh that maybe the first night where i did not wear my shorts to a football game this season <laughs> so it was uh definitely a little chill in the air ollie um so jeans were jeans were on it was we're getting into the winter now so we always have to we have to mark the mark the turning of the season by whether i wear shorts or not to the football um but yeah as we said uh god save the queen and, and the minute science was very well respected by both sets of players and teams um that was a an interesting start to the night very kind of few chills down your spine i think when people were singing the national anthem it was, it was very interesting um and i should just mention you you were talking about you like the fact that people applaud but um there's a guy called alan and i forget his second name and apologies to his family if they if any of them are listening to this but um he's the sort of character that you you know you recognize his face if you've ever been in and around the sovereign club he's gone there for a very very long time um and uh yeah he, he passed away as well during the week i think um so on i think it was 60 odd minutes we had a, a, some applause for him as well which was really good so yeah obviously you know the, the things going on with the queen were, were obviously moving for some 
some people, but um, there's one of our own, unfortunately, who's passed away. Um, and it's never nice when we lose one of our own, you know, committed town fans, is it? So, um, yeah, I suppose rest in peace to him and, and his family and, and hope they're all uh, hope they're all doing OK, I suppose. Yeah, it is really sad news. Um, yeah, hopefully mm. his family. Yeah, OK. And I'm sure he'll be, yeah, he'll be missed by his family. Yep. But... Yes, as I say, after the minute of silence, the game did start in quite an exciting fashion. It was quite a, a lively start, Ali. This one, it wasn't one of those boring League One games. No, it was. It was. A, it was a. It was a classic League One game in some ways, wasn't it? Because <laughs> chaos. The, it wasn't. Yeah, it was chaos, um, mistakes, and yeah, it wasn't. Let's call it. It wasn't Champions League final quality. If that makes sense. <laughs> um, there's a, yeah, there's a few interesting um, goals and moments. So yeah. So, I think it's fair to say Exeter started very, very brightly. Um, they got very fast attackers. There's two strikers, a right handful, and their wing-backs, yeah. Glenn, are fast and they attack. And they will Rapid. try and run past someone, which is something that we can't always say about our wing-backs. Um, and I thought that the Exeter attacked a bit like Ukraine, Glenn, in their recent counter-offensive. They got behind <laughs> us, didn't they, very fast. And, um, yeah, didn't take any prisoners. Well, they did take prisoners. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? It's, um, it was an interesting start to the game. I never. I don't don't remember a team coming at us this fast, and I don't remember. A, yeah, it just seemed a bit of a whirlwind. And seventeen minutes in, one of those fast attacks, and Sweeney's central defender wins the header. He plays a one-two in the box with one of his fellow um, players, and basically set him up, and he just smashed it home. And yeah, not a, not the best start to the game from from a Shrewsbury Town perspective. And I imagine it. Um, yeah, imagine. Or you can tell us what was the kind of reaction in the stands. I like your Ukraine euphemism. If when they went two 0 up, it sounded it felt like they'd committed a war crime on us, Ollie. Um, so there you go. Um, but no, it was a it was a bit of a shocking start, wasn't it? To be fair, they, it's going back to their players. They had two really good strikers. They had, the right the right wing back particularly was amazing in the opening spell. And um, I think after they'd gone two 0 up and the game settled down for like a five minutes, my, my brother and um, a guy called Andy Davis, who I think I mentioned last week, came down to Forest Green with me. Um, we were talking about like I wonder where they're from. They look they look like lads that have come out of the Premier League academy. You know, come down here. They've obviously done a good bit of recruitment. And we looked them up. And they were both players that had like spent most of their career in non-league and were really just only getting into sort of football league careers or, or kind of League One career this season. So that shows that you know Exeter City had done some good recruitment on those three players particularly because none of them had any particular pedigree. But they absolutely ripped us apart in that first twenty minutes. Well, Nurse had probably the the hardest twenty minutes he must have had um, playing for us in his career so far. I think the guy just kept running at him time after time, and he tried to stand him up, but he just would jink past him or he'd knock it back to the, the right wing back and the strikers. Had then kind of just move around fluidly. Um, it, they were really good in this opening spell. I, I can't really criticise them going 2 0 up, to be honest with you. 2 0 felt, you know, not far off being fair. Um, first one to say that one on one, one two, one two in the box, which is really nice. We were just a bit slow getting to it. And then um, second one was a bit cruel, wasn't it? You know, corner yeah, was cleared. Yeah, really unlucky. Yeah, a bit of a weird deflection. Hit his own man, didn't hit one of our players. So yeah. no OGs. Um, and then hit the post and, and went in the back of the net. But they had started really well, to be fair. We, we hadn't really got going in the opening spell and they did just. You know, they put us to the sword, didn't they? Yeah, so they scored two goals in like three, four minutes. Yeah. Yeah, as you say, put us to the sword. Um and yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's obviously this is wing backs versus wing backs. And if you've got someone who's like yeah, that I can't remember the guy's name, maybe just have a look in a second. And their right wing back, he was a, a real threat. And when you don't play with wingers and full backs, you don't have someone who can double up and protect. But sometimes mm. nurse is a little bit isolated. Um, and it was yeah, it was interesting. That was an area that was also targeted by Vale, which I think is a bit harsh on Nurse. I think all I could do is break. So yeah, yeah. it's 20, 20 minutes into the game, and it's um, yeah. What you could say about Nurse? 
Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I think we say about having a break, but you know we've got no one who can really replace him. Especially if you could put Leahy back there and give him a, give him a chance for a break because he's one of the ones that hasn't really had a chance to not play this season, has he? Because and he's, he's and he's, so to be fair, he plays in yeah. position probably the most tiring position exactly. on the pitch as well, doesn't he? Yeah, and he, and as we said before, he's not a natural left wing back, is he? He's not the one that has got that physique like a De Costa or an Ogbetta that's going to get up and down and get up and down. He, you know, he's more of that stocky kind of harder sort of, you know, what you would normally think is a left wing back or even even a centre back. So, um, you know, he does a good job, and, and I'm not being critic, too critical of Nurse, um, but he's definitely had a very very difficult week because he wasn't great at Port Vale either with them running at him as well. So, um, yeah, it, it seems like I'm, I wouldn't I'm not saying you know rest him, drop him because he's been rubbish, but um, just a breather really. But yeah. I, I can't see it happening, Ollie. I think he'll keep playing every week because we've got <laughs> we haven't got very much to, to to kind of replace him with other than Leahy, and he's not going to move Lee around at the moment. No, yeah, Leahy needs to stay in central field. Um, but yeah, it's, it does pose a little. It's a it's an area that we thought we want to see um, improve, but we didn't. Um, if funny funny moment doing the podcast prep and watching the watching bits of the game back, watching extended highlights, and it's yeah. funny the Exeter fans were bouncing. Some had their shirts off, swinging celebration. Like yeah, a bit of an evil laugh here where. Yeah, and then Salah win a corner. The corner is taken short. Doesn't exactly go to plan, but the ball kind of bobbles through and Leahy gets the ball in the box. Yeah. He does a cross, and then Pennington, with a striker's finish, stabs home and makes it 2-1. And at this moment, Glenn, you know, going 2-0 um, down at home is tough. It's not easy, is it? You're at home, you don't, yeah. especially against, no, no, no disrespect to Exeter, but not many Shrewsbury Town fans would have expected 20 minutes in, you'd be 2-0 down to, to Exeter. You know, they're not at switch, not sure for Wednesday. Um, and to, for the players to keep going, and I thought they did, you know, they never dropped their heads. Um, it was a good time to score, uh, and yeah, it was a it was a good moment, and yeah, obviously, and led the charge to, to a great comeback. Let's be honest about it. The timing of this goal was the most important thing about it. They'd obviously gone ahead on twenty, and we scored a minute later. It was literally like one minute later, Ollie. It was so quick, and it just. It just stopped things from getting a little bit out of hand because they'd been so good up to the second goal that you think you thought they might go on and get three or four. That's how kind of good they looked going forward. So we had to do something to stop their kind of momentum in the game. And, and this is this goal did stop their momentum. They were still good for, for a lot long periods in the game and they still kind of tried to come at us, but it definitely, definitely swung the momentum of the game. And and you know, goals do do that, but this one particularly felt like a massive moment in the match. Um so you know, we're only one goal behind then. You you know, you're at home, you know, the, the their crowd quietened down I would say that the extra fans were absolutely brilliant you say they were bouncing around after they went 2-0 up but I thought across the whole game they were really noisy up until we scored the, the winner obviously so um, you know massive distance to come on Tuesday night for them they brought a real load of fans I thought considering we get less from Accrington and you know other smaller teams on a Saturday so they're a proper club I think Exeter I was, I've always kind of considered them to be a, a proper league club yeah, with a, a, with a proper club. fan base yeah so yeah really good and fan owned as well which is, which yeah, is great yeah. to see but no, great, great momentum changer, and I think Town did grow into the game from that point onwards, really. And it was it re- that was what got us going. Um, the, the slight changes and tweaks in tactics, I think, did help. Um, I say we did seem to change things as soon as we went one nil down, um, and, and obviously by twenty one we we got a goal back. So you got to give Cottrell some credit for actually trying to change things in this game because it clearly wasn't going to go our way if we'd have left it like we started. And do you, do you think on tactics? I think that would be a bit of a theme this this podcast in on tactics. Do you think did Cottrell get it wrong? Or did Exeter just start really well? I think there's always that argument that Exeter did something maybe we weren't expecting. 
Does that make sense? You know, you, you yeah. get your scouting reports and you think Exeter are going to come and do X, Y, Z. And it's the same for us, isn't it? You know, I, I suspect they would not have thought at Forest Green we were going to line up with four at the back. And that surprised them. And maybe that's why Forest Green weren't so good. I have a, I have a vibe that Exeter maybe changed a few things around or there was players that, and it, maybe it wasn't what Cottrell was expecting because we clearly were massively on the back foot and they came out with such pressure and kind of swashbuckling football that, you know, as a manager, you are paid to make those decisions, aren't you? And for all the credit I'll give him in this game, you know, he made the right decisions I think at the right time that tried to change the uh, the way the game swung and then the momentum builds in a match doesn't it whereas against Port Vale he did completely the opposite which is fascinating really to look at the way that he manages our football team it can be very different across two games in fairly similar situations it's quite quite an odd one really but um yeah I, I think I would give him a fair bit of credit on on changing things around in this one um and also the subs as the game went on I think we're right so um this was one of his better days I suppose as a, as a kind of manager trying to affect things during the game yeah and I think sometimes you know, I do love to talk about tactics and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of you the do. day, <laughs> sometimes it's just about player performance, player decision making, how hard you're willing to run, and also what confidence you're in. I think Exeter came to this game full of confidence, full of running, full of heart. They started the game well and they scored two goals. And, uh, you know, that's quite simple, but sometimes it is that simple. It isn't sometimes, you know, you don't have to talk about tactics and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes it is just literally the team is, is high in confidence and is full of running. Um, and, that, and I think that was a big part of why they, they started the game so well. Talking as I've talked playing the game, well, I thought Tom Bayliss had an excellent game on Tuesday night. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, about, it's about 34 minutes into the game. Um, basically, Dunkley wins a header in the box. And poor clearance come to Bayliss and strokes at home. Um, and I thought that was a, a really, really good tidy finish from Bayliss. Um, fantastic. Um, Fantastic strike. Yeah, it was bad on the night. You know, we're back to 2-2, you know, 14 minutes after we'd gone 2-0 down. It was... We don't do that very often as a football club. Obviously, we went on to win this game. We don't come back from 2-0 down very often. Um, I'm still kind of ploughing through the stats to find out how many times it's happened at New Meadow, but this is probably only one of about four or five times it's happened, and not all of them were in the league either. So um, it was quite a unique comeback, I suppose. But yeah, Bayliss was definitely one of the key players in terms of that recovery from 2-0 down. He was involved in pretty much all the good stuff we did when we were going forward um, and you know, really, really did a nice job of linking up with Street and Shipley and Pike in that kind of more attacking position. Was was always an option for Leahy and Moore whenever they had the ball deep. Um, I, I was really impressed with Bayliss probably one again he's had a few good games for us since he joined but that was definitely one of his better games and, and nice to see him get his first goal for the club you know we're always crying out for an attacking midfielder who will get goals Ollie. Um so he's off the mark yeah. so Shipley now um, I think Lee scored in the cup didn't he so they've all got one or, one or two each I think now so nice to see some midfielders chipping in with the goals um, we're going to need it really with, with Adobe and injured so yeah good good to see them starting to start to add to their tallies yeah no it was good it was good um yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, half time it was two all, and for me it was like crazy. So League One, so yeah, like you know, a goal from a messed up corner, a deflection, um, a scramble in the box, uh, and then yeah, a couple of couple of good finishes, but yeah, very League One football. It could have been more half time as well. I think I remember it was a, a header that yeah, extra there was at the back chances, post that yeah. went across, and it would literally yeah. just needed a tap at the back post. I think I remember us having like a long range shot that looked like it might take a deflection and go in, but it was interesting because like. It, the thing I thought about the one of the things I thought about how we got back to two two, um, and this wasn't quite so apparent in the second half because it did get a little bit gummed up. But during that spell where 
Exeter was so swashbuckling and going forward that they, they were leaving gaps for us to exploit at the back. Um, and, you know, we had a couple of, you know, times where we had a nice little exchange of passes between Leahy and, and Pike and, and Bayliss. And it was one of those games where our attacking players did have a little bit more room to work, I thought, Ollie. So I think that's maybe when we look about it, we talk about the opposition, don't we, often? But when you look at Exeter, I think that their their approach from just us watching this one game is to approach League One with that swashbuckling style. It's like, yeah, we're going to try and score more goals than you, but, we you know, we're going to know that we're going to leave ourselves a little bit short at the back and, and, and you know let the handbrake off so that our attacking players can do the business and obviously it's kind of not worked for them against us but um, you know if they keep doing that this season um, maybe they'll score more goals but it's going to be a case of whether they'll get the goals at the right time or get enough of them so I don't know I haven't looked at the rest of their results I suspect that they've um, scored more goals than us Ollie but um, yeah I'll have to have a look Yeah it's not hard is it to I think it's a fair assumption <laughs> to assume they score more goals than us there's not many teams that are um, yeah not so good going forward and that's what it's, an, it's a kind of a a bit of a general theme this week, isn't there? There's a lot of people kind of praising Exeter for their style. And I saw some Trudy Town fans saying, you know, we'd like to see our team play like that. But at the same time, it's about getting results. And yeah, funny enough, we're, we're actually above them. ahead of Exeter in the league table yeah. now. And But they've actually scored 12 goals. We've scored nine. Yeah. yeah. So they scored a few more. Um, but then in terms of conceded, we've conceded 10. And they've conceded 10 as well, Glenn. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny old game. Um, but yeah. It is what it is, and yeah, we'll talk tactics even more in the Port Vale game. It's still a small sample size, isn't it? We're not quite up to ten games yeah. yet, so we'll uh, see where we bottom out after ten. Could be in the playoffs. Could be could be one point off relegation. This bonkers. Oh, I missed the ten game it's... review. You'll have to do that without me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You'll have to get to that later. Um, but yes, I, I think that um, in, in general, you know, two two. It was a it was a funny old scoreline to get to half time. I don't know what did you make of the second half, Ollie? For me, obviously, we've gone on to win it, but. Um, I don't know. It was. It, it didn't quite feel like as quite of an open game in the second half. I think both teams realised they'd had the mad mad half, um, and this game was there to be won by both teams still. But um, it was a case then. I think it was a bit more patience with the build-up play from both teams. I think I don't know if that's a fair thing to say. I think it was. Yeah, it felt like it was more passing and, and kind of midfield play in the in the second half rather than those instant quick attacks by both teams. Yeah, both teams. I don't think. Yeah, neither side was as kind of expansive in their attacking play. Neither we didn't. I don't didn't feel on the night like we were creating as many chances. I think from a control point of view, it felt a lot more control. But both teams would probably say that they felt in more control as well. Um, yeah, there was something like about there was nineteen shots in the in the first half and fifteen in the second half, and we had we had twelve of those. So we definitely dominated the second half. We even actually had Glenn get this. We had fifty three percent possession, um, but with I mean. only eight yeah. only eighty seven one hundred eighty seven passes. It wasn't a lot of passes. So it was a, yeah, it was it was a bit of a classic cultural fair, really, wasn't there? There wasn't a lot of football being played, but we definitely were dominating the game, um, dominating the half, and probably the biggest impact I thought was the substitutions. I thought yes. that that was a big part um, of this victory, um, and I thought when um, Sadie came on, who might be probably one of your, I think he might be your favourite player of the season. Um, <laughs> there's a good chance he'll him he'll take that crown. But yeah, I thought when Sadie came on, I thought the substitutions kept her impetus and. I think also when we then switched to um, three at the back also this helped us control the game even more as well. Yeah, I think I think I would agree with all of that to be fair. I mean, yeah, we had we had there was a couple of good chances of both teams in this half. I'm not saying it wasn't it wasn't, you know, still some good chances, but it was as you said there, we had fifty three percent possession in a half, which is not like it's been for us this season. I think it was just we had the ball, we were slower. I'd imagine a lot of those passes were the defenders in midfield. We kind of tried to wanna hold the ball a little bit more than we have done at times this season. Um but yeah, as you say, we started to make those changes as the game went on. I think Bowman and Sadie both came on at the same time, Ollie. I think yep, it was sixty seven like, minutes. 
Pike and Street, wasn't it? Street did really well, I thought. I, I've got to give him a credit. I'd mention well him here, but it, it, so you don't take Shipley Pike off, yeah. mate. You don't take Pike off. No, that's true. You took yeah, off Shipley, who's, um, his <laughs> wife's um, actually really close to giving birth. Um, so All I think right. there's sort of a few sleepless nights going on there, maybe. <laughs> I know oh, well, there we go. So I thought they both, but you know, everyone gave Sadie a lot of the credit, and I do as well. I, I, I like his style. I like his his uh, aggressive football <laughs> style. But I thought Bowman did well when he came on as well. He worked as hard as he needed to, and, and kept us kind of pressing them when we needed to. Um, and it was Bowman that actually had the two best chances I thought before we scored late on. Then Ollie, um, he had one where he had a sort of header. I think it was either a free kick or a corner came in, and it was one of those sort of loopy headers, which sort of was never really going in. I think it had, had no pace on it, and sort of got cleared off the line. Um, and then he got uh, a breakaway one where someone played him in and he was pretty much all kind of in one-on-one he had a very early shot and kind of put that wide and those that that last chance particularly was probably 90 I think maybe 89 minutes it felt like the last big chance we were going to get um um but no to be fair to town um yeah you know, similar to I think we've had a couple of late goals over the last few seasons haven't we where we haven't given up under different managers but it was another one of those nights where you know we were not to be denied and um yeah, it was it was a, a, a very nice moment at, at the ground. Um, and yeah, go on, talk us through the goal first before we talk about the celebrations. Yeah, it was a long throw from Nurse Clint. Um, but it was good <laughs> yeah. as a corner, aren't they, to be fair? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah ball comes in, um, ball comes in, um, poor header from a uh, Exeter player. It comes to Dunkley, who again, I'll tell you what, our defenders must be taking the piss out of our strikers because it was, uh, again, <laughs> we had penalty in the first half and now Dunkley was showing us his, his, good, his good ball control. Controls the ball and absolutely smashes it into the back of the net. Um, yeah, cue huge celebrations. And guess what, Glenn? Well, not guess what. You knew, obviously know this now. Shrewsbury Town <laughs> were eighth, eighth in the league table. Mad. Yeah, I've got a stat on that in a minute when they start the next game. But yeah, eighth in the league table is it's staggering to be honest with you that we've been we've not been that high for quite some time and we've only been that high once I think since Paul Hurst left and it was for a week which might end up being the same <laughs> this week to be fair. But um, yeah, it was it was a nice moment. I don't think anyone was really bothered about where we were in the table. I started to see a few tweets about it about sort of five minutes after the sort of after the game. Um, well, I think Chris Hudson actually talked, tapped me on the shoulder and said Rafe after just after the goal. More to think about it now. But um, it was just it was just one of those ones where we we'd had a couple of chances at the end. It was definitely us that were pushing for it. I think for me, extra tired right at the end, Ollie. Um, they 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 did look a little bit leggy in that last five to sort of ten minutes and into injury time, and that with our fresh legs really played into us because it was definitely us that was pushing to get the winner. And when it went in, yeah, great moment. Obviously, only four thousand there, but the noise you definitely would have been able to hear at the other side of town in Battlefield. It was one of those ones where you've won the game. You know, there's no chance you're gonna you know have enough time for them to get back in this game and score and um, you know another three points, back to back wins. It just felt like a really really big moment. You know, kept our momentum going. Our Forest Green. It was just a yeah, just a real good little kind of a good little moment. And yeah, I think you know eighth place was was quite fun as well on the way out. But um, yeah, definitely town fans definitely enjoyed that and um, smiles on faces as we were coming out the stand about a minute or two later after the whistle had gone. It was um, yeah another another fantastic fight back. As I say, historically we don't do this very often. Very rare that we come back from 2-0 down um, at home or away to be honest with you so yeah nice nice little historic well, moment there's a lot of rarities there we won at home we scored yeah. three goals and we came yeah. from a losing position so yeah no wonder shooter home fans enjoyed it and that's what, we what the low league team's all about isn't it you know it's not like you're not like Man City or Liverpool where you win every week yeah you've got to enjoy the wins yeah Defo, and it was definitely enjoyed by me. That's for sure. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of my man of the match, um, just looking at the positives, I I get I went for Bayless man of the match. Obviously, he scored his first goal, but I thought just in general he had one of his best games for us. He was really good at linking up the play, like I mentioned before. Um, you know, he's just got a, a nice style on the ball, Bayless. Uh, I don't know if you agree, Ollie. He's he's kind of nice to watch. He's not like um. 
you watch Taylor Moore, he's a very different kind of player, isn't he? Aggressive, kind of slow, sort of stubborn to get past. But Bayless plays with a little bit more, I don't know, flair's not the right word, but just sort of like, like not Letizia-esque, because that dis- describes flair as well. It's almost like a, oh, I don't know, I can't think of a good player. A to grace. He's, he's kind of when he, when free, he's, free, yes. Yeah. When he's driving yeah. forward, he's very graceful. He glides across the pitch. He makes things happen. The game seems to speed up when he gets the ball. Mm. Things seem to happen around him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I can't think of another town player at the moment. I will I will rack my brain and think of some players that remind me of his style because it's definitely a different kind of style. But anyway, he was brilliant, to be fair, I thought. Um, I went Pennington second. He got his goal. I thought of... It's funny, you talk about the defence of this game. They were shaky at a few points in the match, to be honest with you, I thought. And particularly... Particularly Dunk, not Dunkley so much. I thought Flanagan was probably quite shaky. He does not like people running at him with pace, and that was definitely apparent at Vale as well. So I couldn't have him in my top three, but I had to put Pennington for the goal. Um, really good finish, but I thought of the, of the three defenders, he probably had the better game. Um, and then I went for Street third. Um, I thought he worked really, really hard. Obviously, he didn't get on the score sheet, but um, you know, during those chaotic first half, I thought he he applied himself well, considering it was his first start for the club. So gets a little extra bonus point for me on that one. Yeah, on Street, I thought it was a bit of a tough game for him. I don't think he won a lot. But um, it was, yeah, it was, I do feel sorry for our strikers in general. It must be pretty hard work being a striker in Shrewsbury Town and Steve Potter for lineup. Uh, but on them, my top three, I went for Dunkley, just for the fact that he, he scored that winning goal. I thought he had a good game all round. Uh, Bayless second, because I thought, yeah, he was class. And then, yeah, I went for Leahy third, uh, because I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I was just thinking, Ollie, you just said I, I feel really bad for our strikers. But you know when podcasts, sometimes I'll do like merchandise. You've said that so many times on the podcast. So we should definitely do a T-shirt if we ever do any merchandise that says, I feel really sorry for Shoes Town Strikers. <laughs> it's like it's like it's become it's become like a catchphrase um, because we always feel really sorry for them. Um, so there we go. And my one, new one contract might... allows us to make money from the podcast as well. So we could do that. And before I'd have been <laughs> breach of my contract, I'd made money from anything else. Oh, really? But, um, yeah. We're never going to yeah, make any yeah. money for this podcast, Ollie. <laughs> no. And it's, yeah, we've never really spoke about this on the podcast, have we? Yeah. But we, we could have we done that. I think we said we could have done advertising before, but yeah, we, yeah, we don't we do the podcast to make money. No. We won't take betting advertising because it's incredibly predatory yeah. and I don't like it. We've mentioned that before, but um, I don't think, you know, this is our Maybe, maybe we should make project. some t-shirts or some mugs. Maybe that's what we should do. <laughs> if people, if people we'll do wood up for buying that, it's very easy to do that kind of stuff these days. Um, yeah, maybe we should have a look. Want to make money, we'll give the money to charity or something. Yeah, true enough. Interstiffs have got a corner of the market on t-shirts, haven't they? Fair play to them. So um, maybe we'll maybe we'll tread on toes. But um, we well, didn't <laughs> mention actually in the in the stiffs being back is quite good. They had Ryan Lowe on the first episode. I have not got around to watching it yet uh, due to me being watching, watching it. Too you much don't watch live, podcast, live news. No, well, I haven't listened to it yet, but I will listen to Ryan Lowe <laughs> one because apparently there's quite a lot of content from the uh, from the from the era and the relegation era and all that sort of thing, which I think will be fascinating. Cool. So it's good to have those boys back as well, which is fantastic. Um, let's wrap this game up before we look at Vale, Ollie. Um, I didn't actually listen to Cottrell this week because um, I was walking back from the match and I forgot to, um, and you always do. So let's let's pass it on to you. Yeah, so he said he thought they started the game really brightly and we were back on our back foot. We were 2-0 down. Um, and he said, you know, if, when that happens, it's really important you get a quick goal. But thankfully we did. He said they're a good team, yeah. Um, and yeah, they didn't disappoint us. They played exactly as we as we we thought they were going to. And he commented, "Their two strikers are excellent." Um, and he said, "Yeah, it was all square at half time, and it was all about them back keeping a clean sheet in the second half." Um, and then he said, basically, to kind of cap it off, he said, "We both showed good character, big balls, and it's hard when you go down two 0 at home." Mm. 
Yeah, big balls, big balls. Maybe that's the name of the podcast, Ollie. Um, I didn't mention yeah. actually my favorite, my favorite bit in the game, um, where Sadie had come on and uh, it was about three players around him, and he did like this little sort of back chop trick to go past a player, and it it did honestly, Ollie, it reminded me of the old Granderson step over days. So if he keeps knocking in tricks like that, he's going straight to the top, that boy, Ollie. So um, there we go. Um, no, it was good. Um, but yeah, that's it. I think what well, Coach I'd say is completely fair there. Um, so it felt like we had some momentum going to Port Vale. Um, and I was saying to the lads I went with on Saturday that I, f- I feel like we. Don't have a particularly good record at, tra- at Port Vale. I'm, I think we have one there and stuff, but um, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember enjoying many days out to Port, <laughs> Port Vale, um, and I didn't really enjoy this one, unfortunately, in the end, Ollie. So, yeah, we'll move on to um, Port Vale versus Shrewsbury Town. But the task of holding on to that lead became all the harder when visiting captain Adam L. Apt dragged down a flying Aaron Amadi Holloway five minutes into the second half, leaving referee Mark Haywood with no other option than to reduce the shrews to ten men. With- Port Vale 2, Elliot Harrison on 9 and 91, Shrewsbury Town 1, Sadie on 19. I'll start by saying this, Ollie, before I get to the stats. Um, Elliot Harrison's probably too good for this division. I had a lot of town fans saying, how have Vale got Elliot Harrison? He looked amazing during the whole game and obviously took his chance as well. So, yeah, I think he's already scored quite a few goals, hasn't he? So he's one to keep an eye on this season. Um, in terms of stats, Ollie, um, we started the day in eighth, as you mentioned before, which is the joint highest we've been in League One since Paul Hurst left the club. Um, I think it was January, sorry, August 2019. Um, we won two of the opening four games under Ricketts, if you remember, um, in that season that got done by COVID and we were eighth for one weekend um, then as well. So, yeah, nice to be sort of riding as high as we have done for quite some time. Um, and, and, you know, we hope we kick on. We didn't. Um, and yes, Ollie, I have to do the klaxon. This was one of the classic only one shot on target games, um, which we always mention because it's always shit when you only have one shot on target. Um, particularly when you score. I suppose that's phrase. good. That's your catchphrase, yeah. isn't it? Only one <laughs> shot on target. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it, but there we go. Go on, it's with the team, Ollie. Yeah, I was gonna. I could have wound you up here, Glenn, and triggered you into into a response, but I will make you happy <laughs> and say that, and I'll do the, the team by doing the back five. So we had Winchester yeah. right wing back, Pennington, Dunkley, Flanagan, and Nurse. Obviously, Murray seen goal, and then yeah, Bayliss, Moore, and Leahy midfield with Pike starting up front with um, a start for Sadie. So yeah, what was your kind of thoughts on that lineup? Winchester starting right wing back. I'm not sure anyone had predicted that when he signed for the football club, had they? Um, well, he did play right back for I mean, Sunderland's, so I wasn't too surprised. All the time. He played right back quite yeah. a lot, yeah, and played right at the centre three and played midfield. He's a proper, he's a proper cultural player. As he's a uh, utility fair man. I thought he was more of a midfielder. I apologise. Well, obviously, he I've used to play midfield before, but... before Sunderland, but um, mm. he's just yeah a good all round pro. So he'll play anywhere. He did right there, to be fair. And, and overall, yeah, I thought he wasn't awful, um, considering what was going on. Um, yeah, Pike and Sadie starting was interesting. Obviously, no Bowman again, which we'd previously discussed. Um, everybody else pretty much picks themselves at the moment with the injuries we've got, don't we? I, I think the best thing to see, for me personally, when I saw the team news, was a certain Elliot Bennett on the bench, Ollie. And also really good to see him warming up during the game as well, down by the town fans. Um, so we, we shouldn't be too far away from having him as an option back in the team. And obviously, when you're playing Winchester right back, uh, right wing back um, and we know how good Elliot Bennett is I suspect he'll get his place back quite quickly Ollie so as long as he's fit um, I wouldn't think he's got too much of a problem getting back in this team at the moment so that was the best thing I think in terms of team selection was to see him back on the bench Yeah see Bennett on the bench and to have options on the bench again which is really yeah, encouraging to see but yeah lots of different options so yeah and it's I didn't even bother doing the fan hub guess the team this week because it's getting really hard I haven't got 11 at 11 all year because there's always changes especially in a two week game so yeah I I couldn't be bothered to be frank. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was quite yeah. I I say it now, like I, I not I don't really like this more experiment field. 
Like, no, nope. he, he does a few good things, and he, he you know he's he's not a terrible footballer at all. He's a good footballer. No, no, no. Um, and he works really hard. So I don't want to be mean to him, but I just don't really quite get um this the the kind of the the more experiment midfield for me. It's it's not really working. I know I'm not the only town fan that thinks that. No, I, I think from people I was with yesterday, I think that's a fair thing to say as well. Um, he doesn't want to get forward, which is fine. He's being asked to play a very, very defensive role, but it, sometimes he doesn't really affect the game at all um, and feels like he's just an insurance policy we've all, always got in our back pocket that oftentimes we don't need, particularly when we're playing Vale, who, to be honest with you, mixed up their attacks. They were quite happy to go down the wings and exploit the plate space there was there, but they were also happy to go through the middle and almost almost take more out of the game by going straight to the centre-back. So... Don't know. He had a, he had an interesting game. I wouldn't say he was really involved in it all that much, but also is the sort of player that doesn't really do anything too awful. Does, does that make sense? You you can't say that he was total shit or his passing was any worse than anywhere else or he was he was missing tackles or maybe he's getting quite out of position a little bit. But he wasn't the only one doing that on Saturday. I don't I don't feel like I can smash him any more than I can smash Leahy to be honest with you in this game. No, he doesn't do anything wrong, and mm. he puts in a heart a shift. But I just think when it comes to our attacking play. Um, I'm gonna be a bit mean now, but I think nothing. he 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 doesn't help. Let's put it that way. And when we and especially we're I don't know. I just felt against Port Vale that you go. You know, we've got some good footballers in this team. And I was having a there's a discussion on Twitter where whether I said you know did did we show well I get your answer in a second, Glenn. But I said you know, mm. did we show Vale too much respect, or is this the best we can do with the players we have? And good response from Tom Williams, um, who often talks a lot of sense. He says. I don't honestly think he, he intends to go out there with too much respect, but when you have two wing-backs who frankly never beat a man or take on a man, and you have a yep. centre-half in midfield, um, it's a dangerous combination of problems, which I think is a really good summary of part of the problems we have with this team is for all the great depth that you have by having players being able to play different positions, sometimes it doesn't quite work. Um, and yeah, I, I know the wing-back to you is, a, is, not, is, a, is a bit of a a pause for discussion and a bit of a bug for you. I mean, I, I don't mind it if you've got players who are actually wingbacks, but I no one can convince me that Winchester and Nurse are natural wingbacks at this stage. I think you could say De Costa is, um, but obviously he's out injured. Um, Mark Better was when we had him. Um, how many natural wingbacks have we had during the time we've been playing wingbacks these last few years? Not not a huge amount, to be honest with you. Um, the guy from Australia, what was his name? The one you didn't like? Um, I've forgotten now. Uh, <laughs> I want to say Milner, but that's not his name. But yeah, um, Miller was it Miller? Miller. I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, Matt Miller. Him, yeah, he didn't like him. He wasn't a proper wing back, was he? Um, Elliot Bennett probably can do a good job of it, but is he a full on wing back or more more of a midfielder? I don't know. It's it's always been square pegs and round holes in that wing back position, and and we've consistently played it for probably ninety percent of the games for three years now, and it never has worked very often, very well. To be honest, we obviously haven't won a great amount of games over that period of time. So it's not it's not so much about the tactic. I don't think, Ollie. I'm not a person that would say I hate wing backs. I, you know, I've seen plenty of teams up and down the divisions, not just um you know, at the top level that play with wingbacks. But you've got to have a pacey, attacking-based player that knows they can have a few limitations at the back um, in terms of their defensive performance that's going to get covered by three very strong centre-backs. And what we've actually ended up playing with in this game particularly is four... Sorry, five very defensively minded players um, who all sat pretty much in a line whenever Vale attacked us, and yeah, all right, it kept them, kept the goals down, but never really enabled us to do all that much in terms of our attacking sort of counter attacks. Um, and and going back to tactics more generally, Ollie, and you're going to have a say on this as well because it is a fascinating discussion. But I don't really get what we've done in the last three games. We dispensed with the wing backs at 
um, Forest Green Rovers because we couldn't really do it with the personnel available on the day. Um, and it worked really well. We actually played really well at Forest Green with the four at the back. It enabled our midfielders to have a little bit more freedom, you know, unleash Pike a little bit more in an attacking sense. And we won a game of football away from home at a team that had only just come up. Then we revert back to wing-backs at the start of the game at, um, at uh, Exeter, which doesn't work. We then change it as soon as we possibly can back to playing with four at the back. We get back into the game. We play really well. So I couldn't understand why we didn't stick with four at the back in this game, to be honest with you. Vale are not will beaters. They beat us, but they weren't a great team. They've just come up. You know, if we can't just continue that little theme of letting the handbrake off a little bit to allow our attacking players to do a bit more and maybe impose our game on a team like Port Vale, then what are we really What are we really here for? Are we, were we, were we just going there for a point? And I'm sure Cottrell would have been more than happy with that, but it does show the limitations of our ambitions sometimes, and I, I, don't li- I don't really like that. I think there was definitely an argument on Saturday to have had more of a go than we did, and we didn't have a go in this game at all very much. I know we've had this conversation once uh, this morning <laughs> in terms of formations, but for me... Three at the back or five at the back, or even to call it, isn't necessarily a defensive formation. It's kind of the instructions that you carry out. And for me, yeah, I yeah. think there's two things that kind of made us so, let's just say we were shit when we second half. Absolutely diabolical awful. going forward. Um, we were awful. And I think if your players are playing poorly, making poor decisions, not keeping the ball, obviously there's no way Cottrell said, go out there, lads, and give the ball away and don't keep it. <laughs> of course he hasn't said that. So I think, I think the players played poorly and it was a poorer performance than Tuesday night maybe Tuesday night takes something out of us again but then at the same time I I do think obviously Cottrell does set us up in a defensive way and yeah if we're playing Derby or Ipswich or Sheffield Wednesday then you you accept that they got championship budgets and you know they're Mm -hmm. spending millions trying to get out of this division but when you're playing Burton, Exeter, Forest Green it's not necessarily about uh, formations but attacking impetus and yeah, we. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's hard. I, oh, I think we are too defensive, and I think that that makes it. You know, we don't try to. I think we can play more football than our. I think we've got good enough footballers to play a bit more passing football, which I'd like to see. Yeah. But that isn't part of the strategy, it seems at the moment. No, it's it's interesting that Forest Green Rovers net game is going to stick out like a sore thumb at the end of the season. I reckon it's going to be like. Well, more the one away, game we played really good football, as well, didn't we? We played some nice passing football in that game, and we didn't mm. get anything from it. Maybe. Maybe maybe that's what Cottrell's thinking. You know, maybe maybe it is an evolution this year, or maybe that's just it. Now he's going to play this style of football. He did talk about playing, trying to play more passing football before, but we never got to it. And yeah, it was it was frustrating in this game um, for all the it was a couple of good moments that we'll go through in a moment. Yeah, but I think this is also a game where you can just, just also factor into the thing you mentioned in the first game, and we can talk about tactics forever, and I think those points that we both just made are pretty fair, I think, you know, from, from both of our view. But at the end of the day, a few players didn't turn up on Saturday, um, if I'm honest, um, and yeah. that always makes it very difficult, particularly in the second half. I, I couldn't really criticise the first half performance too much. It was a pretty classic kind of Shrewsbury Town away from home, kind of sitting in there trying to nick a goal, and the work rate was fantastic first half, Ollie. I couldn't criticise any of the lads for how hard and much effort, you know, that's why I sort of said to Moore I couldn't couldn't really blame him he, he works really really hard and so did Lee and Bayless in that first half Pike didn't stop running Sadie was a nuisance um the back five were, were pretty solid as it went other than the sort of goal there but I don't know it, it, the work rate is not the issue at the moment the players are not um you know not doing too bad and obviously we won two games before this so we shouldn't really be panicking too much but I think that 
you know, when you look across all of the nine games and I think the 13 we played so far, you know, some of the patterns are repeating themselves. Um, the approach to, to winning and losing games is, is fairly consistent, I suppose, other than Forest Green. And, um, I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not really surprised. We just, we, we're kind of still trying to do what we're trying to do. I do wonder whether we keep, you know, whether he doesn't like dispensing before at the back because he wants them to be so well drilled in the five with wing backs. Because when we play the bigger teams, that's how he wants to set up, isn't it? And, you know, is he is he just getting them so well drilled in that tactic that, you know, trying to get change tactic, you know, too much kind of unsettles them a bit? I don't know. I don't know. We, we changed tactics multiple times. So many times we couldn't even keep count in the Exeter game and we won. So I, See, I think I think he just yeah. likes that formation. Um, mm. But I think that formation coupled with... There's a couple of things. That formation coupled with finding wing-backs is really hard. You need someone who is really athletic, has fantastic stamina, can defend like a defender and attack like a winger. That is so hard. And given lots of teams are playing this style as well, means that more people are after the same player. And they do exist, Yeah. but it's really hard to find them. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's tough. And then in this game, I, I, I do actually, I, you know, I will, it's I think probably the first time I've really quite criticised cultural for tactics. I don't really know what we were set up for on, on Saturday. Was the pig pit to concede. just kind of just kind of ruin our tactics and our ruin our setup because we weren't sitting deep nor were we pressing them, and then um, when they scored their goal, it was just an example of this that we were just too spread out. Vale, knowing the pitch, just kind of waited a few seconds and gaps were just appearing everywhere. Um, and yeah, it was it was not a good game um, from a from a Shrewsbury Town perspective. Okay. I can see why we made our pitch thinner and and, lot, and less long this summer because their pitch was massively wide and and slightly longer I think and um you know that extra space that they exploited is probably not something we wanted every team coming to the meadow and doing this season so I thought that was quite fascinating yeah it was you know to me it felt like a, an away performance where we were set up to try and just keep them out and and hopefully counter and, and do a bit of a Wickham like we did at Wickham um and yeah it wasn't to be this week I mean we were only a minute away from getting a point which would have been fine I guess but um there was nothing from probably like forty five minutes well probably from 30 minutes on where we really ever looked like we were um when did we scored the goal 90 minutes yeah from probably like 20 25 minutes on it never felt like we wanted to go and get a second goal it was it was quite anemic wasn't it um so yeah i, I think that's it on, on tactics i suppose just to mention sort of it's one of those big games in it for town fans bail away because let's let's mention we took um 918 fans on saturday which is bloody fantastic um really good away tenants it's obviously only 45 miles 45 minutes an hour up the road um, and it was a, it was a, one of those ones where you can leave quite late on, isn't it? And, and still get up there with plenty of time to kick off, um, find somewhere that your car's not going to get nicked in Burslem and, and you're well away. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it was a bit annoying. Like, for, And I'm sure there are loads of town fans who might be listening to this on Saturday that there was some um, four-way traffic contri- signal control in loggerheads, um, which is obviously sort of up past Market Drayton. And um, anyone that was trying to get up to the game probably got caught in that. It took forever to get through there. And I believe on the way back it took even longer because you obviously had one long stream of cars coming back. And I thought, I'm not getting involved in that. So I went, went back on the motorway. But but, um, yeah, it was that was about the only only kind of log jam in loggerheads, Ollie. That was a bit of an issue on the way there. But um, yeah, um, it, I don't think anyone was too happy sitting in that traffic jam on the way back once uh, <laughs> once we'd lost. I'm just talking about like Port Vale generally. Obviously, they're now owned by a, a, a local couple of successful business owners who've taken over the club. Um, their tenses are up really, really high. They've got really strong tenses now. Was it like nine thousand or some of their average tenses now? It was. It was 7,000 yep. on the weekend, but I think they've been getting some really strong attendances. Does the vibe around Port Vale feel any different? Or is it still the... 
No, it still feels like you're going to get murdered at any point in time if you look at someone the wrong way, Ollie. <laughs> so that's how it felt. Obviously, I, we had we had a load of kids with us on Saturday, so um, and we parked like the opposite side of the ground after we came out. We had to walk through all the Vale fans. They're still as gap-toothed and um, aggressive, angry-looking as you ever wanted to see. There was a load of police running up the road, and you could hear on the scanners, Shrewsbury Town fans are congregating at the end. The Vale fans are there. There's always a bit of nonsense after the game. Um, did it feel like a good atmosphere in there? Yeah, when they scored the winner, it felt like they were tripping you know, balls. It was a really good moment, similar to us on Tuesday night, I suppose. So I don't suppose that was too much different. You know, he scored a late-minute winner. But I don't Hard for me to tell in the away end what the atmosphere is like at Vale Park. It's never amazing at that away end because... There's that one little bunch of fans to the left that kind of chant to our chanters, but we sat on the right-hand side of the stand and it's still unfinished after all these years. There's that big massive area where they just haven't finished the stadium. One thing I would note, Ollie, about Port Vale and, and the confidence they might have is they've got loads of corporate facilities on the right-hand side um, from where we were sitting and they were all full. They must have had like 30, 40 corporate boxes all full and that goes a long way, doesn't it, a football club? That extra income, that kind of match day revenue that we yeah. simply don't have. We just didn't build any corporate boxes and we never even sell out the ones we've got, I don't think, when you look at it. So they're obviously, you know, there's obviously a bit of business, local business interest and maybe the, the new owners are kind of getting, uh, you know, those boxes sold and trying to generate that buzz, I suppose. So maybe, maybe that's part of it, but I don't know. We'd have to ask our Vale fan. They've just been promoted, haven't they? So there must be a good vibe. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I- from wherever I hear about them, they sound like really um, stand-up owners, um, really good All owners, right. so fair play to them. Um, and yeah, they do a lot of things for the community. They've done loads of, of food bank stuff. They do a lot of stuff for charity. They generally sound pretty excellent people, to be fair. But yeah, that's why I was interested to see if the, the vibe had changed, but it doesn't sound like it has. It is an incredibly rough place, though, Burslem. I don't, you know, it's, it's, we shouldn't be too sniffy. You know, we do, and I say we... I, I know you don't live in town anymore, Ollie, but, you know, often us people from Shrewsbury think of our town as one of the nicest places in the country. And I think that's fair enough, isn't it? We've featured in those 10 best places to live lists and all that sort of thing. I'm 100% certain Burslem's never been in that list. And it is it is one of the rougher places you go to. But, you know, maybe that's just me being sniffy and the old football rivalries. Um, I'm sure that there's lots of nice people that live in Burslem and there's probably nice bits I've never seen. So, um, but it is, it, it, is, it is one of those places where I, of all the places I go, I always feel a bit more wary about leaving my car on the side of the street. <laughs> so yeah let's move on we haven't talked about football for a while so um in terms of, that game was boring <laughs> yeah so let's, we'll go through this game really fast so i think it's fair to say braille Bale started brighter again i imagine they watched the exeter video um there's a that header in the box screen from a couple of minutes in and i thought i thought watching on tv i thought that was a goal uh, i don't know what you thought from behind the goal but that was super close and then yes. it didn't take long um veil attack veil attack a good carry to attack Flamingham gets the wrong side, gets nudged out of the way and, and Harrison puts the ball in the back of the net. So, yeah, what's your thoughts on those two moments? Came straight through the middle of us. Good run from deep, wasn't it? Um, we couldn't get near him. He kind of ran, ran through us. They played that ball in then. And I think you say Flanagan got the wrong side, yes, and also got pushed out of the way. I think he also um, went to clear it and completely missed his kick as well, which then put the guy in one-on-one and he, he, he hit it past Morosi. I don't think you can really blame Morosi for that one too much. Um, yeah, it was it was a bit annoying. And as I say, Harrison, he, he was good. He's the sort of bloke that looks like he'll get a lot of goals this season. So going 1-0 down, it did feel a little bit like it wasn't a panic. Do you know what I mean? It was a bit disappointing, but after what we'd seen on Tuesday, didn't feel like we were out of it. Um, you know, even though we'd been kind of having a lot of attacks come against us and they'd obviously almost scored before that. But um, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't too worried at that point in time. I, I still felt we had goals in us. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just because I saw a score three on Tuesday, Holly. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like the game was over at that point. It was obviously quite no, early on no, as well, where they scored the goal. Um, but yeah, it was, I just felt, yeah, it just felt that was nine minutes in. We scored 10 minutes later. 
but yeah, there was. I felt felt like there was a vulnerability to our side, and I don't know whether it's just that big pitch. But um, yeah, it wasn't great. But then, yeah, good bit of play here. Nurse wins a header. Sadie gets the ball, runs forward, just pushing his man off. He does like a flick back heel to Pike in the box. Pike is Olay. really really calm. Um, passes the ball to Sadie, who took a really nice touch, gets the ball under control, and smashes it into the back of the net. Um, and yeah, that was like his first league goal, which I think I think he's played twenty games now in League One, including his eighteen games for Burton. Don't know if they're all League One games, but something like twenty goals games anyway. And he got his first league goal and a really really good finish. First league goal in his first league start for us as well. Can't argue with that, can you? You know that's a that's a good start to your league career in terms of starting games for Shrewsbury Town. Um, he had an overall very very good game, I thought, in terms of his, his contributions to trying to get us going forward. He's I, I tweeted at one point: if the ball goes up to Sadie, the ball stays with Sadie. He is like um a little bit like I said a few weeks ago, Grandison, and you said a doe. Do you know the player he's most like Ollie is Lionel John Lewis? I've got a new name. Finish. Yeah. He, oh, really? What is it? Yeah. Well, I was the, the I was listening to the the, the away commentary. I was find it interesting, and they were saying that Akin Fenwick in his way to hold off players. Yeah, a little bit. And I don't yeah. think he's, he's no way as big as Akin Fenwick, but he's no. very very strong. Yes, John John Lewis is a good shout, and but he's better than John Lewis. He couldn't finish. Yeah. Really. <laughs> poor bloke. Um, whereas Sadie's and he's got a bit of pace as well. Him. He gets around the yeah, pitch quick. Yeah, he's he's not afraid to mix it up either. He, he won a fair few headers in the game, I thought as well in terms of flick-ons, and no one was really on it. So his overall uh, contribution to the game was great, other than the goal. So I, I have him a top three. I'll tell you that now. Um, but yeah, really, really good moment. It was down the other end from us, um, so you couldn't you could see a nice bit of passing. Couldn't really tell who was involved in it. I didn't know it was Pike until after I'd sort of seen it on Twitter a little bit later. But great for him to be involved in a goal again and and, and putting his contributions into this into the season as he's he's playing more games. Um, and yeah, obviously watched it back this morning. It's a really really well worked goal, isn't it? You can't argue with that, but it was out. It was out of nothing, and it was basically the only thing we did up to that point, and it was about the only thing we did after it as well. So um, it was a bit of a kind of s- sort of stuck out in the game, really, as a one bit of proper moment of quality, um, I suppose, really. So yeah, that was the goal. Interesting to come back to something you said about you know the the wide pitch and 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 how we look vulnerable. For me, I thought I don't know if you saw this in watching it back. It was one of those games where the centre backs got pulled further apart from each other than they probably have done this season in any other game. And that was where the space seemed to come up. They they always had a little sort of guy kind of just lurking in between the sort of slightly bigger gaps between centre backs than I've seen in any game this season. I think that was another one of the, the things about how Vale maybe pulled us apart a little bit with, with the way they played, but also a slightly bigger pitch than we we play on at home. Um just looked like bigger gaps to me, Ollie. Um not just between the midfielders, but also the centre backs. Yeah, there's gaps everywhere um it was yeah. yeah it's a huge huge pitch um and it's yeah it's a big advantage for Bale, isn't it also they're used to it um and yeah it's, it's an interesting tactical thing that obviously clubs have to go there and kind of handle and yeah there was a in terms of handling i thought they they focused very much on nurse in this game didn't they nurse and, and flamingham was a, a, a so I, you know you watch gaming sometimes you think oh, you know, did they really attack the right went to who scored but do some kind of like attacking direction and um, yeah, nearly half their attacks came down our right, their right, our left. Um, yeah. And it feels harsh because Nurse is such a good defender. But yeah, they do definitely seem to be doubling up. And I don't know, maybe he needs a bit of a break. I don't know, maybe it's just a, an anomaly in this game. Um, but he, yeah, the, he hasn't had the best week, has he, from a defensive capacity? No, I think they were both a bit ropey in this game, to be honest with you, Ollie. Um, Nurse, as I said, I think he's had one of his worst weeks for the club and we talked about maybe giving him a rest. But Flanagan's looked vulnerable against pace. That's that's concerned me. He's looked like a Rolls-Royce up until this this week. He hasn't really come under any pressure or, or put a foot wrong, has he? But 
two pacey young lads um, this week for both the teams he's, he's really struggled with. So, um, yeah, interesting. He's obviously an international defender. We should mention he's got another call-up for the Northern Ireland squad. We've had very, very few international call-ups for the home nations um, as a football club while that player is playing for us. So it's a real nice mark of um, maybe how we've improved as a football club. But, yeah, he's obviously going to be off and, and won't be here next week against Burton. So, you know, we're going to have to change around the centre-backs and, and, and see what we can do next week, aren't we? Maybe more drops in or Nurse drops in and Leahy back to left-back. I don't know. We're going to have to deal with that situation. But yeah, maybe a week or two away from the football club might do Flanagan a little bit of a, a, a good because yeah, definitely had one of his more difficult weeks like Nurse did. Yeah, no, I'm interested to see how we set up in the next game. Whether like, yeah, after this piece this week, be interesting to see what the manager does. Um, yep. Second yep. half, Glenn. Oh man, this was well probably one of the worst halves of the season um, from an entertainment point of view because it was poor and basically <laughs> it ended up, it's almost like an attack B defence training session for 45 minutes because Shrewsbury didn't really have, I think we had one rare, two attacks. I think Bowman hit, Bowman hit the side net in and, and, and Lee, he had an effort from long range. Um, yeah. But yeah, what was your kind of views on this second half? Let's do it quite quickly. Um, and we'll end on a positive. Yeah, there was nothing nothing happened at all, really, than us sitting back no. and letting them come at us. And the only reason we didn't let a goal in sooner was that Port Vale's finishing was really poor in those periods. I don't think Harrison had the chances. Um, it, they, we were they really good at keeping them at distance, and, weren't we? Yes. I mean, if it was long a boxer, over the boxer bar. analogy, we, we, we kind of kept them to jab in, and it was like a long range. Like We didn't let them get into, didn't have into a box too often. They didn't actually have a shot in the six-yard box um, in the whole game. But, um, yeah, we did well to keep them at bay, but it was very boring. And, that's, and to be honest with you, that's what Steve Cottrell wanted, second half, in it? Let's be honest about it. He would have wanted us to just sit in, be gritty, he, he, you know, not take too many risks to throw a point away. And, and, you know, we were a minute away from getting a good result away at Port Vale. So it's almost kind of what the perfect kind of second half would have been for Steve Cottrell. Obviously, we did the same thing at Wickham and then, you know, got those late, late goal through the throw-in and it could have been another moment like that. But, um, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And, and I think it shows how marginal the, the Cottrell tactic can be when it's 1-1 and you're trying to see games out. Away from home particularly, you get that extra little kind of crowd impetus. I thought Vale were much better second half attacking their fans. I know their finishing wasn't great, but they, they controlled the game and, and, and were just coming at us after wave and wave. And um, obviously, you know, they, the pressure built and built and built and built. They got a very, very late corner, um, which we sort of half-heartedly kind of cleared off to the to the byline the other side. Um, couldn't really criticise that. They got rid of it. But yeah, Harrison sort of um, was there once they'd recycled it, put it back in and scored a really, really good header. Um, I haven't it was seen a fantastic header, to be fair. It was yeah, a really good header, right into the bottom corner. A really yeah. good goal, to be fair. Like, yeah. terms, not from a defensive point of view, but, you know, header is not an easy thing to do, especially at this end of the game um, with a lot of pressure around him. And his, his placement of the header was, was superb. Yeah, I mean, we're hanging on to it up, up to that point anyway for the like 10 minutes beforehand. Um, and yeah, just, just Vale's wastefulness. I thought we, we started time-wasting again. One thing about this game, I don't know whether this came across on the TV, but it was definitely noticeable on the day, was with about, I would like to say, like maybe 15 minutes to go, the referee had been pretty good, I thought, all through the first half. He'd been pretty fair, pretty even. And then there was a moment where we just sort of did a little bit of time-wasting um, and he and he didn't like it, and I was thinking it was there was some handbags, like maybe fifteen minutes from the end, and it was all kind of spiraled by Shrewsbury Town, and you know, I, I go back to Joey Barton and his comments, and whether that has stuck with some referees or has stuck with kind of the general perception of us as a team, because for the last fifteen minutes, the referee ref the game very differently. He didn't give us any free kicks when we were trying to break and we got fouled, and some of them were fouls, some of them were lame dives, mm. I thought. 
he didn't really give us. I didn't think he gave us too much, and and it just gave you know similar gave them the impetus a little bit. But I can't argue too much because some of it looked like time wasting. But then when we did get fouled, he also didn't give us anything. It, 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 there was definitely a way the referee ref that game in the last fifteen minutes. It probably isn't nothing to do with Barton, but I just thought it was an interesting discussion point. Mm, yeah, I, 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 you've definitely hit on something that changed. Like, but I thought that I thought we dived a few times. Flanagan did one yeah, no, particularly comes that. to mind yeah. where he dived went down too easy. It was quite interesting. BBC Stoke were really fair, actually, for their commentary. It's always nice to hear good away commentary. And they were really fair. And, you know, they were kind of praising Shrewsbury. And when it was, wasn't was a foul, they were. They did comment a lot about a lot of, you don't call it diving, but that kind of the, the modern way of where footballers feel something and then they go down. So I think we do that quite a lot. And we do it quite well. You know, we've been critical in the past, haven't we? We've been a, a naive football side, not doing some of the, the darker bits. But I think there was part to this game where we, went did it too much and the referee yeah. i thought the referee actually had we haven't, i didn't even think about the referee at all in this game apart from when he got in the way once which shows he had a really good game and i think he got it right yeah i yeah. think i think i think yeah, I, I think we were so. i think we were trying to win fouls when there weren't fouls um and um yeah we 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 didn't get the, the rubber green on those ones it's, it's one of those different ones, and you should just say, like, this is one of those ones due to family commitment, you didn't quite get to the game, did you? And I think that that experience no. of sitting in the ground on the day makes you feel about a situation quite differently. Yeah, yeah it does. It can make you more emotive, Town fans were really annoyed. Yeah, yeah, town fans were proper pissed off with him. So it was interesting because Busy... Probably um, pissed off with me now as well. <laughs> Why? Because I'm saying he wasn't a foul. All right. Oh well, there we go. The, I, 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 I trust your judgment, Ollie. It was quite funny. I've come to the conclusion, busy. Uh, I know you listen to the podcast again. I've come to the conclusion that we, he often takes positions in the stand so that when we do score goals, they they can come and celebrate with him, or he can get on the telly because he came down and stood in front of us for like maybe 20, 25 minutes in the second half, and he was pretty much fuming at the performance, which is always kind of a little bellwether, isn't it? As as the sort of most passionate fan we've got, and, and really gets behind the team. He, he wasn't impressed from his gesticulations with what was going on second half, and um, I think he disappeared with about fifteen minutes. Go disappear back up the stands. Um, maybe he saw the writing on the wall. Who knows? But it's interesting. After they scored, we still had a chance, Ollie. Um, I think we had a corner. It got cleared, and then yeah, Nurse, who he's got a good shot on him, Nurse, but he still hasn't scored for us, has he? And he blasted one just over the bar. He he needs to get a goal at some point, Nurse, as well. We just talk about his defensive performance, but he has quite a lot of shots from long range. He never quite gets them right, but they still look quite good. Yeah, he does. It's I do feel sorry, Nurse, because he hit the crossbar at home on Tuesday night. Uh, hopefully, he'll yeah. get a goal soon. Yeah, hopefully. And then the game ended with probably the most odd chant I've heard town fans do for a while. So they were chanting at us, you know, um, you know, it was negative chants. Can't quite remember what it was. And the shoe town fans chanted back, going down, going down, going down at them. And I was like, we've we've both got twelve points, lads. We're <laughs> we're pretty much exactly the same position in the division. And they've just beaten. They they were two one up at the time. I was like, I wasn't quite sure what how how that was supposed to work. I think it was more of a oh we've been done and we need to we need to give something back. But um, to be honest with you, I think I saw some Port Vale fans saying if Shrewsbury Town have stayed in League One playing like that for the last six seven years, then we'll be fine. And maybe that's a fair thing to say. But um, yeah, I'd like to think we're not going to be battling with Port Vale the rest of this season. But I wouldn't discount it, Ollie. To be honest with you, I'm a no. bit miffed off after yesterday. <laughs> we don't win a lot of fans, do we, with our style of play? Which I think is always an interesting, God, no. interesting um, kind of gauge is how how well um, we um, how well are we perceived by the opposition? Um, so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. So yeah, in terms of in terms of this game and um, positively in terms of um, away um, following, a really good town following, wasn't it? It's was, uh, over over nine hundred. 
Yeah, and as usual, whenever we take a big away from them, we pretty much always lose Ollie, so that continues that strategy. In terms of other positives for me, um, Sadie was a real big positive. I thought he had a really, really good game. Showed that finishing ability that we might need now at Odo's out injured, so I gave him my man of the match. I gave Bayless second. Um, I thought he was really good um, overall, similar to that game uh, on Tuesday night, and, and was tidy um, in terms of our kind of attacking moments. Um, and then I gave Winchester third, very similar to why I gave Street a, a top three last on the extra game, because first first one cut a start for the club, out of position somewhat I thought um, did alright uh, you know after Sadie no one else really was a massive contender I didn't think it was a, one of those weeks where it was really hard top three to do um, I thought Sadie stood out Bayless was good again and I think Meany basically struggled for third <laughs> I went for Pike true because um, I thought he could set up for the goal um, got about a bit sometimes but yeah it's really hard to choose a top three here let's just wrap this one up manager comments um yeah, so I didn't think we played. He said, "I don't think we played well enough to win." That's what happens in football. We got a last minute on, on Tuesday night, and you have to play until the last final of the game. He thought he had a draw written all over it. He says we didn't deserve to win the game, but not sure we deserve to lose it. Um, I don't know. We didn't really play to win the game, and and I put on my tweets at the end of the game. To be fair to Port Vale, um, they they were really the only side trying to win the game. Yeah, the same as Tuesday night though. You know, Exeter set up shut up shop when they got tired and we were the ones trying to win it. So I think it's it's balanced out over the course of the week, isn't it? We would have lovely to have won both games. Um just and it feels like there's a team good enough there to have won both games, but maybe Cottrell just didn't find that formula for 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 this for the Saturday game, which is unfortunate, isn't it? But yeah, it, it is what it is, and we're going to lose. I just I've got a question for you, Ollie, before we wrap up and talk about next week, which is Burton, and that's a massive game. If you were given the choice now to have one less of Sadie or Street and swap them for a player of a similar quality who was a right or left wing back, would you take that deal? Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I would. Mm. I would. Yeah, for a, a dynamic wing back like we saw against Exeter to lose maybe Street, keep Sadie, um, mm. and then yeah, yeah, you know, because we still got Bloxham. Don't forget about him. Yep. Um, yeah, and we've still got Bowman. We've got loads of strikers. So, yeah, I think I would. Um, yeah, which does raise the question why we didn't sign another wing back in the window. I'm sure they tried. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. No, I thought it was an interesting question. And then uh, we'll wrap this podcast up now. But, um, yeah, uh, Burton next Saturday. Well, we've got Port Vale in the stupid trophy game, Doesn't which count. I'm going to talk about. Um, no, but uh, I'm sure we'll I literally play a bunch of kids and take another £5,000 fine, I would imagine, in that one. Uh, I can't imagine anything else is going to happen. Um, but, yes, Burton at home next Saturday. Um, they only won their first game of the season on Saturday, didn't they, Ollie? So, in some respects, that's probably good for us. They've yeah, got that off is. their back Dan now. Dan Hoff so, said that, um, didn't he, in our chat? Yeah, he said it's yeah. good for that they got that early. And I think he might be right there. You know, they got that big first win. So hopefully, they'll come away from home not under so much pressure. Mm. And a win, if we get it next week, would really yeah, just keep that, you know, three wins from four, you wouldn't be sniffing at that, would you? But, um, you know, a, a, a loss pushes us back down for that 10-game review and maybe we're back down in the bottom 17 again. So it's it's all very marginal stuff. Um, I'd like to think that we're, we're going to be good enough to beat Burton at home after some of the sort of performances we put in over the last three or four weeks, I guess. So I will probably go for us to, to win win that one, Ollie. But, um, yeah, it is quite a, quite a big game, I suppose, to, to cap this first 10 games of the season. Yeah, it is. I'm going to miss the next two games. I'm going on holiday. Going on holiday to New York. Yes. Yeah. So I'll miss the Burton game, miss the Cheltenham game. I'm going to have two pods off. So yeah, you'll have to find a co-host or uh, an, an ally going to do the podcast with. Um, see, I'll obviously listen with with interest. And yeah, fingers crossed. You know, out of these two games, you'd be, I don't know, you'd expect to beat Burton at home, and getting a point to yeah. go at Cheltenham would be all right. So four points from these two games, um, would be would be good and keeps us, to be honest, 
if we get if we get four points in those games, we'll be we'll be just outside the playoff. Right so yeah, 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 something to get excited. Can't argue about. that. No, we're in a good run of games. If we can just keep picking up a win every now and again, that'll be that'll be good enough at the moment. But um, yeah, hopefully, uh, let's look at the positives. Uh, it wasn't a great avail, um, and it was a bit unfortunate with the nature of the last minute goal. Um, but that's the way the football goes. We saw it on Tuesday night as well. So yeah, fingers crossed. Look a bit more positives. Trying to see see if we can get another win next week. You have a nice break, Ollie. I know you've been looking forward to a holiday. I will man the fort whilst you're away. And uh, yeah, everyone else, catch you next Sunday. I'll have a couple of guests lined up and. Uh, Here's the next win. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening.